1: Pace with Alex and Alexa Alex and Fauci Alex and Alex, if I put our jacks in the paint How you gon' stop me, how you gon' stop me how We can go head be- to head Call out your top three, call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton run the point. This is a benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block.
0: Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth.
1: What is going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday to you. We're recording this Wednesday night around 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tomorrow, the first day of the NFL. So joining me today, I have to give him a shout-out, Michael Anderson Focci. Focci, former Rookie of the Year for the Denver Broncos, Mike Anderson, giving you a shout-out on the first day of football for most people listening.
2: I'll take that. Mike Anderson with the salute. I mean, everyone will remember him scoring a touchdown, giving the mile-high salute. But, Alex, we also – Have some very interesting news to share. Not Pacers related, but maybe I just got to brag. I am officially an uncle. My brother had his son yesterday. Man, Uncle Hood, it feels good. Uncle Mike. Maybe we can go with that for a little bit right now. It's not a bad one. Beat some of the other names you came up with. So, (laughs) hey, I'll take it. Uh, I don't know. I think I've come up with some pretty good ones. Um, couple good ones. Couple Magic cring- Mike's
1: still my favorite.
2: Couple cringe ones, but you know, at the same point, it, it, you know, it's a mixed bag, so you gotta live with it.
1: Yeah, I'm still a little disappointed that you didn't know who Michael Kelso Focci was when I said Michael Kelso. I'm a I little mean, bit disappointed.
2: It, it it's it's been a while since that show was relevant and I was like a in and out that seventies <laughs> show fan. Stuff. I got you. Well, you know, I, I I definitely would know the name now if it was brought up again.
1: Yeah, so today we're doing our September mailbag, and I have to say this, Fachi, because the last time we did a mailbag, a listener reached out to me and they said, you do realize that whenever you guys say you're delivering the mail, you're not actually delivering it. The fans are delivering the mail, and we are opening up the mail. So we've been doing it wrong, Fachi, in terms of what we've been saying. So the fans have delivered the mail. They've delivered the questions for us. Now we're going to open them up, and we're going to answer them. Uh, I don't know if you caught that or not, but um, I thought that was
2: interesting. No, that is, that is that's a great point right there. I mean, sure, you never want to be opening up other people's mail. That's actually illegal, but it's we have mail. to come up. It, it is our mail, so that is always, you know, legal and, and encouraged. So I'll <laughs> definitely take that.
1: All right, well, let's get right into it, Fajah here. Our first question comes from faithful listener Aaron H. He said, who are your top three wings that you realistically think the Pacers could acquire in a trade? If you want, you can change this to who are the wings you want to trade for. So maybe we can do both questions here, Fachi. I don't know if you have six players in mind, but uh give me your give me your best bet here.
2: Oh, I got wings on deck. So here's what we got. So <laughs> DeAndre Hunter. That's the first name that came to mind for me. He's gonna be a restricted free agent. I mean, it's very possible. We've heard his names, his name floated around. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, the Hawks gonna have to pay DeJounte Murray. You got Trey Young over there, John Collins got paid. Hunter could be the odd man out over there. So it's a possibility. Okay. Then in terms of another guy that the Pacers could trade for, I mean, how long has Gordon Hayward be, been linked to the Pacers? Why, for better or why, or worse? why? Exactly. Why do you have to bring his name up? It, because it, it feels like it's been a while. So how did it go there? Then, I mean, what about another guy that was rumored at one point to be going to the Pacers? And we'll see what happens. Maybe that ship has sailed. Isaac Acora I mean, was he really a rumor to us, though? I don't know. Maybe the rumors were false, but there was buzz. There was buzz saying, like, hey, look, we're not giving LaVert up for anything less than a, a first and a Coro. And, well, well, we gave him up for less than that. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully a first, which this year should be, now that Donovan Mitchell trade is complete. And, you know, the 31st overall pick. A couple other names over there. Cam Reddish, a, a name of Pacer past. Uh, a lot of Pacer fans were intrigued for a while, but Reddish – you know, I've read that he wants out of New York. I feel like that trade never really, never worked out the way that he wanted to. And then last OG. I mean, yeah. I, I know I gave you, you know, you said top three wings. I hit you with hit you with five right over there. But OG is someone that I am definitely intrigued by, and I don't know how realistic it is. But at the same point, never say never.
1: Yeah, so I would say in terms of you know most realistic that we could trade for. Uh, it's going to be a very boring list here, Fachi. You already said one of them. That's Cam Reddish. I think we could trade for him realistically. Another one is we could bring a familiar face back, Doug McDermott. I think that's a name that we could actually inquire about if we're looking for some three-point shooting. He played well on Carlisle system. And then another guy that's on an expiring contract, Charlotte Hornets. You mentioned Gordon Hayward, but it's not him. It's Kelly Oubre.
2: Okay. But
1: those are three wings that I could see us realistically going for. Now, here are ones that I would want. Um One that I'm kind of intrigued by, you already said, OG and Anobi. Don't know how realistic that is, but that's someone I would want. Um, Another player that I would like to trade for because we could re-sign them is Cameron Johnson from the Phoenix Suns.
2: Very true, Uh, very true.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we could get him. I know that it appears Jay Crowder is unhappy with Phoenix and wants to be on a different team. From what I saw uh, from our Blue Wire podcast friends uh, that do the Timeline podcast, they were talking about that today. Uh, replying to a tweet, basically just Jake Crowder once kind of out. So that's why you could see them go after a guy like Bojan Bogdanovic. But last but not least, a guy that I want them to go after, Faji. No surprise here. Moses Moody.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I don't know what it's going to take. I just feel like I don't understand how Golden State has <laughs> properly tiptoed the line between great talent to win now and fantastic talent for the future. So it's just like they hold all the chips, but being able to pry Moody away from them would be awesome, but it feels like a pipe dream.
1: No, it does, and that's why I went for the players that I wanted. Obviously, I couldn't not add Moses Moody after the fuss I made about him last year, right? But I'll say this, like Golden State, they had their championship run. Kevin Durant leaves, they get injuries to Klay Thompson. Steph Curry gets hurt, and look at them. They just found a way to make it work in those couple of years. They got some nice draft picks. Andrew Wiggins trade they get a pick for taking on that player uh then Wiggins ends up being like the second best player for their team in the finals so it's just like comes full circle man it's kind of crazy but um let's move on to our next question
2: so we have Christopher Lloyd he said does Isaiah Jackson hold potential to be the Pacers long-term solution at center seems like if he can bulk up a bit and get his three-point percentage into the mid-30s he can replicate closely to what Miles does maybe not as elite of a shot blocker, but way more athletic.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Christopher. And I, I think the Pacers are kind of projecting that maybe Isaiah Jackson can become that long-term center. He's a little bit small right now. And like you said, he's going to have to bulk up. And obviously we, we've seen centers do that over their time. But um, I just kind of wonder, like, is his ceiling really a starting center or is he more of a backup uh, for his career? Over, overall, I really do... Believe in his potential. I think he's a great pick and roll player, really good at catching lobs. Defensively, we still want to see him get better, but there's the potential for him to be more switchable. Uh, we talk about him blocking jump shots and stuff like that. So I think defensively he could be more versatile than Miles, maybe not the elite rim protector, but more versatile in terms of guarding different players on the perimeter. But yeah, I think that you could see him maybe being a starter, but even if he does start, I wouldn't anticipate him being a guy that plays 30 to 35 minutes a night more so of a guy that probably plays 25 to 28 with another capable center off the bench, uh, more of a committee type
2: thing. Yeah, because I'm with you. I struggle to 100% paint the picture of what Isaiah can be long-term. I love the idea of Ijax. I yeah. really do. But I'm, I'm struggling. you got this freakishly athletic guy who can, you know, jump out of the ceiling, shot block, catch alley-oops. I mean – We want to see that three-point shot materialize, just like Christopher said. But is he a true four? Is he a five? I don't know. He's a tweener. And then there's always going to be someone who says, positionless basketball, Focci. Yes, I get it. But it's just when we're talking about can he be the long-term answer at center, I still don't know. I can't give you a clear answer there. I really hope that three-point shot comes. I hope that we do see him bulk up a bit. We got a guy who's 6'10", who, you know, that's not really big. It's not small. It's just such in that tweener stage that this is going to be the year that really tells us a lot of where he fits in. And if perhaps, you know, the Pacers do move on from Turner or Turner misses some time, I really do want to see, you know, Isaiah get extended minutes at center. So I'm excited to see that. But for right now, I don't know exactly what his long-term future is. Yeah,
1: it's it's tough to predict right now. And I think projecting wise, you can say he can play the five. There's no doubt about it, but yep. he's not going to be able to hang with guys like Embiid or any of those exactly. bigger centers, but he, you know, you could make the comparison. Maybe he has a, a similar career path to a guy like Bam at bio, you know, uh, he's not like super that. big, right. But he bulked yep. up, added some things. Now I think Bam's a little bit better, obviously uh, at this point, I think in year two of Bam's career than compared to where Isaiah Jackson is at right now. But I think that's something that Pacers might be looking at. Like, okay, can we get him to be some similar version of this? And if he can hit that shot, which we know he's working on, that'd be great. Um, Bam's an an amazing player. So, you know, I'm setting the ceiling high here for what he could become. But yeah, I I just feel like there is defensive upside with Ijax that makes him such an intriguing player that I really don't care too much about the offense outside of being a good screener, which he still needs to work on, and being more effective on the glass. I mean, that's just one of the things he's going to have to get better at, just bulking up. So overall, though, Fauci, I think there is room for him to be one, but I'm just not 100% sure he can be the long-term center.
2: I'm not sure yet, but when you mentioned Bam, good comparison. I'm going to pull him up. Both Kentucky guys, when we talk about being a little bit undersized, Bam's nine. Yeah, He's a six nine center. So Ijax has the height on him. He's 6'10. But then also when you look at you compare some rookie seasons, you know, Bam right now is uh, you know, this is entering his sixth season, coming off a career year, averaged 19 and 10, shot just under 56%. I mean, there's a lot to like. We think I think that he's one of the players that's gonna take a big step forward, be potentially in that defensive player of the year voting this year. But Isaiah, as a rookie, if you want to go numbers wise, he's ahead of where Bam was. points per game, four rebounds, 56% from the field. He actually did it in less minutes, just 15 minutes per game. And Bam was playing just about 20 minutes as a rookie. So I love Isaiah's potential, but we just need to see a larger sample size to see what he can unfold and and become. So for right now, the the potential is is through the roof, but this year is going to tell a lot.
1: (laughs) I agree, Facha. Let's move on to our next question. This comes from Jeff Q., he said, Pacers showed they're willing to get into restricted free agency with the eight in situation. If there's one or two RFAs next offseason you think the Pacers could go for, it, who would it be? Jeff said that he leans towards Brandon Clark being a potential target.
2: Guy that brought it before, DeAndre Hunter. I think I want him. I think I do. This I could just, be. Oh, man. This is tough. I don't think Atlanta lets him go. I don't. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. But between, you know, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, uh John Collins I mean it's a lot of money it's a lot of money so I just feel like at this point Hunter he's underperformed he has he's been banged up former fourth overall pick the guy's got a lot of talent but I I do think that his best basketball is ahead of him so yeah. I think that the, the Pacers are that team that they're going to have a boatload of cash they really are and wings is something that they really need you know more of also Brandon Clark I do like that I do like that and that does feel more realistic but a man can dream, can he?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, a name that I threw out earlier was uh, Cameron Johnson from Phoenix. He's a restricted free agent. He's 27 years old. So maybe he's a little bit older than what the Pacers are looking for in terms of their building. But I, I don't think it's that old. I know he was kind of old when he was drafted. I think he was 23 when he was mm-hmm. drafted, if I'm not mistaken. So um, Ruby Hachimura, that's a name that we've talked about quite a bit here throughout the last couple of years in terms of being a potential trade candidate. I'm interested to see what his role is like this year with the Wizards, because Last year, it was kind of up and down. I know he missed significant time with them, uh, was away from the team. So he's a name to keep an eye on. I think Matisse Thybul, a defensive presence, I think he's a name to keep an eye on as well because we know Philadelphia, they're going to have their salary cap pretty locked up. And then two more guys, you that I mean, I think the restricted free agency class is pretty interesting. Um, I'm going with P.J. Washington, a guy we've talked about a lot before, and Grant Williams with Boston. So... I think there's a lot of RFAs out there to keep an eye on, but I think those kind of players, more so the power forward or the potential like small forward guys that you would be interested
2: in. I agree with that. PJ Washington, you and I have liked his game for quite some time. And it feels like even if the rumors are fake or if they're real or not, there's been a lot linking, you know, the Hornets and PJ Washington to the Pacers involved in trades. So, you know, I would be intrigued to see, uh, you know, once restricted free agency comes, the Pacers are really interested. Um, But overall, you know, Rui Hachimura, that was someone that I was intrigued by uh, for, for a while, especially if there was going to be a Brogdon to a Wizards trade. But Rui had a rough year last year, so it remains to be seen. But these are a lot of guys that I think we the Pacers could be buying low on because most of the guys that we named were, you know, essentially top 10 picks between Rui Hunter, uh, PJ Washington was a lottery pick. So these are guys that I do think still have a lot of really good basketball in front of them.
1: Let me ask you about one player here because I know that he's going to get a nice payday, and I don't think this team will have the salary to match him unless they do a lot of maneuvering with their current core in the starting five. But what about Jordan Poole from Golden State, Focci? Um Lights out scorer that fits their system incredibly well, do you think he makes any sense here in Indiana or is he too much of an offensive threat with no defense?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's another, like we just went, we covered the shooting guards recently and I know you can move some guys around, but between, you know, Matherin and Duarte right over there, you then bring in Jordan Poole. It's like you, you're just overloaded at the two. Sure. You can move some guys down to the three a bit, but man, uh, Jordan Poole is headed towards a payday and I don't think it's going to be in gold state. So that will be interesting. Um, I think a lot probably depends on how Duarte plays this year. If Duarte is as advertised or better, then I think it's like why not just let the guy play? Yeah. So it could be a bit too much at the two guard spot.
1: No, I I agree with you. I'm I'm not sure if you want to invest a lot of money in a guy that probably is only a one way player.
2: He I is. think I, he is. I
1: think he will be like a Jamal Crawford his whole career, like a great six man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just even if you put him in a starting lineup for a team like he might be able to carry you offensively, but I just don't know defensively if he's got it in him to really like be paid like a star or like a you know a top thirty to forty player in the league. So it's it's tough for me. I think he's gonna be on the right situation. Like for example, if the Lakers have money next year and they don't get Kyrie, like. Could they pivot and go to Jordan Poole? Like, I think Jordan Poole with LeBron and Anthony Davis makes a lot of sense. But Jordan Poole with Halliburton and Turner does not make a lot of sense.
2: No, I don't think it does. Because, look, we've we already talked about offense isn't the problem. Yeah. You know, we we just don't have enough defense. So I just feel like you're going to, you know, at this point pay, you know, well over $100 million, at least $100 million to Jordan Poole. I yeah. don't think it's going to solve our issues.
1: All right. Let's move on to our next question, Faji.
2: All right, so next question we have, this is from Brett. He said, should Boomer have to change his number since Benedict took it?
1: You know, I think it's the first time that I've ever seen a mascot have the same number as a player,
2: let Agreed. alone
1: the the first pick in the draft. So obviously Boomer's not going to change his number, but... I know a lot of people were not happy with Benedict Matherin picking double zero. They're like, what a terrible number. And it's kind of like one of those things where I've made the like comment on Twitter. I'm like, who really cares about numbers? But I do kind of agree on this one because every time you go online and we talked about this a couple, I think it was a couple episodes ago, we were talking about you were missing some Jermaine O'Neal jerseys. And we were saying, you know, get some custom ones made. But anytime you see a custom jersey, it says zero zero with your name on the back. So it feels like. I know he won a number zero, but I felt like there could have been a just a different number. Like I think that Alex Riley actually photoshopped like number eleven on him because it was Sabonis' old number, whatever. Like even that looks a little bit better than double zero.
2: Yeah, I think double zero is still going to take some getting used to. I feel like it's zero is like I don't want to say making a comeback because it was never really a thing, but it's like trending up. You know, there's been, I feel like, more people wearing zero, double zero in the NBA the last couple of years. So it'll take getting used to. But I, I think for now, it might be all right if Boomer and Benedict change it. I mean, keep the number. But do you think Benedict ever elects to change his number?
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm I, right there with you, Fauci. So let's move on to the next question. This one comes from Don Trell. He said, do you think Paul George will return to the Pacers in 2025 as he will be an unrestricted free
2: agent? I don't. I don't. I don't think I'll ever return. I really don't. I am going to shut down, and I wish I I didn't have to be the Grinch here. It would be awesome to see him return. But in the past, he wouldn't even mention the Pacers' name in interviews. My old team. My old team. It's like, really? You can't even say our name? So, I just think at this point, he's a California-raised guy. Grew up in California. Went to Fresno State. Now playing for the Clippers. That's where he's raised his family. It's home to him. And I, I think that, like, being in the on the Clippers at that point it's like he's carved out his own spot where he's an established guy making max money on a team that could contend meanwhile for us hey 2025 you hope you hope that we're back and in the thick of things but i just don't think that he's going to make a return especially not in 2025 in a perfect world you'd hope maybe he could retire as a pacer but even that it's going to take some time one day He'll realize what he had here, but I think it's going to take until he retires.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still think Indy Paul George is probably the most interesting one out of all the ones we've seen. Now, his peak was probably an OKC when he was third in MVP voting Fotch, but I feel like their quick exit in the playoffs kind of erased that memory. It did. So he, his, you know, his best memories are known for being with the Pacers and he can deny it all he wants, but like, that's the truth. So, Um, With Tyree's here in 2025, um, I really do believe (laughs) that Paul George could be like, okay, they got a nice roster. I think he would look at the roster and say, I mean, that's a lot better than when I was here. But like you said, I mean, this guy's heart is in California. I would not be surprised if he doesn't retire a Clipper. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But um, it's nice to dream about. If we could get a Paul George-like player, though,
2: that would be awesome. It really would. Look, I would love for him to come back. It would be awesome. But there's a difference between, like, LeBron coming back to Cleveland and Paul George coming back. LeBron's from Cleveland. And then they've they've upgraded the roster at times where, it, it, you know, it made sense for him to be able to come back. In this situation, it, it's just the Pacers aren't contending right now. Maybe in a couple of years they will. But Paul George is from Cali. It's home. And I think at that point he's happy there, close to family, raising a family there. So it's a pipe dream. It is, but I do hope I'm wrong here.
1: Absolutely, Fatshi. Let's move on to our next question here.
2: We got Matt Peck, friend of the show. Matt, hope you're doing well. He said, would you be open to a trade that would bring in a young veteran small forward that would improve the record, say low 30 wins, or would you prefer to just continue with the potentially higher drafting? By young veteran, I mean someone in the same age group no older than 26.
1: Fascinating question, Matt. I always love your questions because they're well thought out and they're different topics that we don't usually think about or bring up. So, Matt, I want to say this is a great question. And, man, Fauci, at at this point, you kind of have to look at how the Pacers have handled things this offseason. Look, aside from re-signing Jalen Smith, the big thing was they went after DeAndre Ayton. So they wanted to get young talent, even if it meant they might get a few more wins. So if I'm answering this from a Pacers standpoint, I think the Pacers – if they could get their hands on a small forward in this type of, you know, or aura of what he's kind of describing here, a younger veteran, no older than 26. Like if we can get our hands on someone like that, maybe somebody you brought up Deandre Hunter, if like the Pacers could get their hands on someone like that, then yeah, you have to do it because you're trying to accumulate the best talent at that point. But if it doesn't pack by like five or six games, like that's pretty impressive. <laughs> so um I don't necessarily know exactly how I personally feel about this because part of me feels like I would probably just make a trade to get the best player. But the other part of me says, look, why can't you just do this deal in free agency next year when you have all the cap space, when you have a better pick probably with your, with a worse record. So I think if push came to shove, I would probably as a personal, uh, Personally, I would probably hold off on making the trade because I want the higher pick because I just feel like you don't want to take yourself out of the chance of getting a generational player um, because it feels like if a small forward is on the move at this point in this type of deal, that they're probably not not one of those guys that's going to be franchise changing.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I'm a little bit torn on this, but I think if the right guy is there, you make the move for him because – the Pacers showed, hey, what did we do with a boatload of cash this year? Nothing. Yeah. We re-signed Jalen Smith and, and a, a, you know had, had a good draft. But other than that, no one else came. And we're still sitting on that money. We're still sitting on over $30 million in cap space. I have no idea what we're going to do with it. But if the right guy's out there, like, for instance, I brought up OG before. He's got three years left on his contract. That's the type of trade. If you have an opportunity to do that move, I think you got to do it. Because that's a guy that, you know, has three years left on his deal. It's not like if you mentioned there's a guy that's expiring. No, don't do that deal and hope that you're going to resign someone. But also, if the Pacers, it's the the, the lottery, it's a crapshoot. Anything can happen. So the Pacers could have the second, third worst record. They could fall down a few spots, end up picking exactly where we picked last year. So if you find the right talent that's out there, I think you should go out and get them because nothing is promised.
1: Right, and that, and it depends on the player. I guess it's all situational here. Um, if it's if it's a guy like OG and Anobi, then yes, I probably would do that's. That's why it's so hard to answer this question because I don't know who the player It
2: depends is. who it is. Like yeah. for instance, OG, three years left on the deal, between seventeen to twenty million dollars per year. That is like perfect for the Pacers. We have all this money and no one to spend it on. Something like that. That's a bargain contract now. Because the deals are only going up. Same with the cap space.
1: Yeah. What if it was DeAndre Hunter? Would you do it?
2: Uh, I'd be intrigued. But here's the thing. He's going to be entering restricted free agency. and At that point, I'm with you. I would rather just wait.
1: Yeah, because it's just kind of like, do you want to end up overpaying for a guy like that? Um, You know, and it just depends, like, how much would he really impact winning? So that's kind of where I'm at with all this. But, yeah, it's a really interesting question, though. I really like that question because it makes you think and makes you wonder. I'm curious, Matt if you can reply to us on twitter with this tweet when we put it out um what you would do because i'm curious your thoughts on me, you've been a long time pacer fan so would love to get your thoughts on that fachi let's move on to the next question this one comes from our good listener um dalton james Chubb. but i'm going to call dalton out here a little bit because he said hey guys my question is what do you think our win total will be it's frustrating that people say it'll be like 22 i think we will make the playoffs have some faith love the show well dalton if you listen to the show faithfully um we already did a podcast where we talked about we what did. we thought the record would be, and I had twenty two wins, and Fochi had twenty one. So I hope you still love the show, even if you don't love our opinions on this. But um, you know, I just don't think this team is talented enough to sniff the playoffs. It's not about us not being faithful and, and loving uh, the direction we're heading in. It's just overall talent wise compared to the other o- other overall talent Fochi in the in the Eastern Conference uh we're just lacking quite a
2: bit we are get ready to be frustrated Dalton because uh it's gonna be pretty uh look like Alex mentioned I predicted 21 wins he had 22 maybe I was too harsh on him I think the Pacers could pull a couple upsets maybe get to 24 25 wins either way we're still looking at being a bottom five team in the league I know it sounds really harsh But the goal, when you look at this team on paper, isn't, oh, yeah, we're contending this year. It's No, it's a youth movement. It's a player development movement. So right now, I think the Pacers are more likely to be sellers along the year. A guy like Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, we still don't know if they're going to finish out the year as a Pacer because the Pacers are obviously set on stockpiling assets. Three first-round picks coming our way this year. It could be more. And, Alex, you brought up a great point. You tweeted out the other week. When Cleveland pulled this deal off, they had the assets to go after Donovan Mitchell. The Pacers are setting themselves up to be able to trade for that next guy that wants out. And I think they're they're doing it right. They are. So this year, it's going to be a tough year to watch if you're just here for making the playoffs or not. But if you believe in a, raising the ceiling of this team long term moving forward, this is going to be the season that we need.
1: Yeah, and, and, I, and I really brought that point up because it's like, look, Cleveland got the higher draft picks. They built their roster pretty smartly, and they had some success last year, but it didn't end up getting them to where they wanted to get to. They, so they felt like they had to make a change. And Donovan Mitchell, just this superstar, not superstar, I'd say all-star, star, lingering out there. And Trey talks with the Knicks for like three to four weeks, and we're just like, come on, New York. Come on, Utah. Figure out this deal. Let's move on with it. Well, then all of a sudden Cleveland swoops in and gets him. Okay, so this is where the Pacers are really smart because they've acquired two picks already for this year's draft, which I don't think that necessarily is going to help them in this type of trade, but they have all their picks. And if they were to make that Lakers deal, I think that that would even help them more, having those in their back pocket to use as assets. But that's not really what this question was about, so I don't want to get too sidetracked there, Foch. But I will just say this. Michael Scotto, when he joined me on, on Sunday afternoon for our podcast, he brought up that he didn't think the Pacers would get more than 24 and a half wins. He said that 22 sounded about right. So when an NBA guy is saying that, as well as guys that are, you know, like me and you that are really paying attention to the team, I think everyone kind of knows here what the ultimate goal is. And that is, we are trying to grow, rebuild, and, you know, restore this franchise's playoff hopes instead of just being a one-and-done type of team.
2: We've done it so many times. You continuously, you know, we we threw out a, a, a playoff team that could not get out of the first round. Now, if we are to bring in, and we had we had Derek Murray on, and we talked about the 2023 draft. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. There is more than just Victor. And, you know, at the top of the draft, there's a lot of really good players. And if the Pacers can continue to add, I mean, look at some of the draft picks recently. Duarte, Benedict Matherin, you add another player potentially of a higher caliber to that, to the the group that's already there, Tyrese Halliburton, you have something sustainable for years to come, and that's not what the Patriots have had. They've had, you know, putting Band-Aids on and rolling out, you know, hoping Victor's going to be healthy, you know, uh, Oladipo's going to be healthy this year, or, you know, maybe Turner plays, you know, 60-plus games, whatever it is, it goes on and on, but It's not sustainable. Now we're entering something that is sustainable.
1: Yeah, I would say, Dalton, uh, you're telling fans to have some faith. I would tell you that even in this losing season, have some faith in the future of this team. It won't be this year, but in the upcoming years, maybe even next year, this team could be contenders for a play-in tournament. Um, I would just say have some faith in the rebuild process. So, Fachi, I think you got the next question.
2: I do, and then we got – it says – okay. Architect architects, architects yeah. <laughs> said, assuming pretty big assumption. I know that Brissette and Turner are the Pacers. Oh, Brissette and Turner are on the Pacers after the tread trade deadline. Where, where do you place the odds that each is signed and extended before the season? And for how much?
1: I will say Turner is probably traded. That's my gut feeling on this. I think O'Shea is still on the team. Um, but I guess, I guess I'm, uh, I'm assuming that I had to use Turner is already on the team. So if they're both on, uh I would say Turner is not signed, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. I know that sounds like if he's on the team past the deadline, you think he'd be signed. But with the way the Patriots have handled this whole Miles Turner thing, nothing would surprise me. Um but um if Brissett is extended, I would say it's probably a three year deal close to ten million dollars twelve million dollars a year assuming that he really plays well off the bench and they're kind of going to invest in their own guy. Um, but I think that if it's Turner and they do for some reason extend him, it'll probably some be somewhere um, around what Turner would probably want. I would say a, a three-year deal around 21 million per year, but you could also maybe see the Pacers just attack on like two years, similar to what they did with Brogdon and give him a two-year deal around 20 to $21 million, and that would make the most sense to me. But I, I'm just not sure if I think either of them get extended before the season ends.
2: Yeah, I don't think either player is going to get extended. I think the Pacers want to keep the books as open as possible and just not commit anything yet. Uh, I did want O'Shea to get that early extension. I think it would have been an absolute bargain if the Pacers had signed him maybe a month ago or so instead of just picking up his, I believe, $1.8 million option. Uh, I do think that I'm with you. In terms of, I think Brissette, if he is re-signed by the Pacers, could be in that range of four years, twelve million, or four years, sixteen million, depending on how he plays. Either yeah. way, it's between three to four million dollars per year, which is a raise. Three and to a four app- million. Yeah. Per so, year.
1: Yeah. Yes. Oh, I was saying twelve million a year, Foch. For Brissette. Yes, ten
2: to twelve. Ten to twelve million per year. Yes. Whoa. Um, look, we'll look it, at their it, roster. I'm just saying, I like, mean, if he can get that money, get it. But I would be surprised if O'Shaber said his ink on in a 30 to $40 million contract. If he does, then that means he's having a really good year and that the Pacers messed up tremendously, not resigning him.
1: Well, I'm just, he's their only wing. They've got to make sure they have insurance at the wing position. I don't think 10 to 12 is really out there. To be honest, if you're looking at how the salary is going to increase and those kind of things. Um, if he's an unrestricted free agent, there's going to be like 15 teams, 16 teams that has significant cap space. You don't want to lose him for nothing. I, I think, I think maybe eight million might be a little bit more realistic. I was going to say eight at first, and I felt like I was underselling him for whatever reason. Um, but you were saying four to six a year. I just feels like a. I mean, I don't know. That just feels like a little bit of an underpay.
2: I mean, it depends on what he does this year, because you know. I think we were probably expecting a little bit of a bigger year for him this year. And I think he was, you know, a little inconsistent at times. I'd love for him to get the bank. I mean, great guy, hardworking guy trying to really solidify that first real NBA contract. So I I think if there's an opportunity out there to get 30 or $40 million, I mean, my God, ink it ASAP. But I think at this point, you know, he he could be someone who's looking at a four-year, $16 million deal, and I, I think he'd be excited about it because, you know, hey, I got security. So, But we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. I, yeah. I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, Maybe I'm over
1: – I just believe I in him so, so much. I, that's probably what it is for me. I just think that he makes so much sense with this roster. I he like does. his fit. I like his, you know, ability. I hope he gets better defensively because I really do believe in him. I know he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, but I, I don't know, man. It's just like – What are the Pacers going to do with all this cap space? Too? I have like That's no part of the problem. Idea.
2: That's that, the that's, thing. I, that's I why you, did they, there's there's pay They They very well could because there's a scenario. The Pacers are able to, you know, they move Buddy, you know, maybe you get tight off the books, whatever. There's a scenario they could have like $60 million in cap space. I have no idea who they're going to sign based on how this offseason went. But to answer the rest of the question, look, I think Turner's traded um, at or before the deadline. I think the Pacers continue to stockpile assets. Clear cap space, but if Turner can remain healthy, and you know, I, I do think he's headed towards a career year. I think the Pacers could be looking at doing something like a three-year, seventy million dollar, you know, deal. It averages out to around twenty-three million. I wrote a recent report that Turner was looking for twenty-five million. Hey, I'm sure you are. That's great. He's at eighteen million dollars this year, so that'd be a seven million dollar increase per year. But I don't see the Pacers willing to commit a hundred to a hundred and ten million dollars over, say, you know four to five years, given his injury history. I think no. they would probably be looking at, at most, about a three-year deal if they are to extend an offer. And and right now with Turner, I don't think that Turner would sign an early extension because he wants to bet on himself. And I don't doubt that because I don't blame him because he's going to be the lone center this year compared to his, his previous situation with Sabonis. So he does have a huge opportunity here, but I just don't see the Pacers willing to commit $100-plus million to Turner.
1: Yeah, no, I I just feel like the fact that he's been rumored to be in these Lakers deals, like Michael Scotto even brought it up, like they were trying to get Russ, the two picks, and Taylor Horton Tucker for ties, Turner, and and Buddy. It's just like, to me, it feels like the Pacers aren't invested in him long term if they're willing to make that kind of move because he's only 26, right? Mm -hmm. So if they were fully invested in him as their center, number one, the extension would have already been done, and number two, I mean, the reports are like he wants around 20 to 21 million, I think. So, I mean, that's not that much of a pay raise, especially with the cap going up. So, I just feel like the Pacers are in wait and see mode. And I think it's going to take, it's going to have to take a lot for them to really buy in. Because if you look at like who they went after in DeAndre Ayton, right? Him and Turner don't have a a very similar game at all. It's actually quite the opposite. So, I'm just kind of wondering if maybe they're not in love with Miles' skill set compared to what they were hoping for and maybe acquiring DeAndre Ayton.
2: I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right over here. I mean, the Patriots, I think they want, not to say a true center, but maybe a more, a little bit of traditional bang in the paint type, you know, get a lot of rebounds. bang
1: in the paint. I don't know
2: about bang in the paint, but, you know, Turner's not your traditional center. He, he's La, just La a Shrek. lot of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I I don't know if I want to say it. I wish we had Shaq. Obviously, I wish there was a dominant player like Shaq. Obviously, the game's changed, but Turner's not your your prototypical center. He's not. He's going to he's going to stand by the three-point line, drift out a bit. I think that I would love to see more of an inside game from him this yeah. year. But a guy like Deandre Ayton, I mean, we can't say that he doesn't have a solidly higher ceiling than Turner. This is a former number 1 pick that his numbers are they're very good. But I also think that at age 21, he still has room to grow.
1: Yeah, I just to wrap this up quickly. ayton has got better hands. Turner does not have good hands. Sometimes he has stone hands where he can't catch a ball. Um, but I think Ayton's better at that. I, I think Ayton's much better in the pick and roll, and Ayton's a lob threat. So while Ayton hasn't really taken a lot of three point shots, we talked no. about that. We were talking about Aiton, you know. But there was like maybe some optimism that he could eventually be a guy that knocks those down. But you really don't want him out there, but his mid range shot, he has such a sweet touch on it. I, I think that overall, you know, player wise, he's just different than Miles. And I think the team was kind of hoping to go after a guy that would make more sense with Halliburton. And that's why I just don't think like Turner's like this perfect center fit with Halliburton. I think that there's some things that you'd like that he does, but i he's going to have to improve in certain areas to really be like this perfect fitting center next to. Next to Tyrese, in my opinion, especially if you're basing it off the comparison of who they went after uh and DeAndre Ayton, and the lack of an extension here for Miles Turner, but um I'll let you rebuttal if you want. But we do have another question. Moving on.
2: No, no, I'm ready to. I'm ready to move on. Uh, I want to say, I believe it's uh, my is turn it my question ask. or yours. M- mine. So we got Richard said. I understand it might be an episode for later this off season, but what's a projected minute breakdown per position? This is actually a three parter. Richard, uh, who would you project Indy would protect if there was an expansion draft? And what is the answer to the lack of rebounds slash no one on the team has ever, no one on the team ever averages over 7.6 rebounds? Or maybe he means no one on this team has ever averaged <laughs> over 7.6.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, so bonus was around 13 yeah. the last couple of years, 12 the last couple of years. So that's false. And we've had some good rebounders on this team. But yeah, I mean, for this team right here, it's probably just like, it's been a lot of situational stuff. Like you're not giving a ton of minutes to any of the young players so far throughout their career. And then Turner was playing in a position where, um, you know, he was out on the perimeter more offensively and then defensively, he's blocking a lot of shots. So maybe if he's leaving to go block a shot, there's not as many rebounding opportunities. So that could be the case there for that. Now I will go back up to the top. I, I think we will save the projected minute breakdown per position for another episode, but I will say my rotation would be obviously Um, If I'm just looking at the team, I I think this is how it'll be. It's going to be Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin, Jalen Smith, Miles Turner as your starting five. Your second unit is going to be TJ McConnell, Chris Duarte, Aaron Neesmith, O'Shea Brissett, Isaiah Jackson as the backup five. And then I think Terry Taylor is the 11th man, Goga's the 12th man, and then Nimhard, Kendall Brown and Tice are out of the rotation if they even go 12 deep. But that's kind of where I see it, and we're getting, getting the minutes another time. But in terms of expansion draft, Bocce, this is pretty interesting because there were some uh, rumblings on Twitter today, if you looked at all. Uh, it was from somebody with the, uh, associated with the AP. They they said that when there are some preseason games played in Seattle and in Las Vegas, they're going to make the announcements of the expansion which I've heard from different podcasters that there's been talks of an expansion adding Seattle and Las Vegas. So I guess we can do this one together um, since I really didn't like think too much about it. Obviously if you're protecting eight players, Focci, uh, let's just go down the list. Who's the first player that you would protect?
2: So yeah, I wasn't sure how many players that the Pacers were able to, yeah. to protect, but if if we're going to go with the first player I'm protecting Tyrese Halliburton, Yeah.
1: No, I agree with you. So we both got Tyrese. Okay. Would we say Matherin's the number two? Yes. Okay. Number three, who you're protecting.
2: Now it starts to get a little bit tricky over there because you know, you start to be like, are we going Duarte? You know. I mean, it maybe... doesn't
1: matter the order, I guess. Yeah, I'm just so,
2: yeah, in that situation, Duarte is one of those players the Pacers are definitely protecting.
1: Yeah, Duarte, I'm gonna say Smith, yep. Dylan Smith, Ijax. Mm-hmm. So there's five.
2: I mean, at that point, if you could protect more, I mean, why not protect Turner? You know, you don't yep. need to just let someone snag him, even if he's going to leave a free agency or you're not going to resign him. You definitely protect him.
1: Yeah, so, so now you got six. I'm going to say O'Shea seven. Okay. Would you so, say O'Shea?
2: Yeah, yeah. O'Shea is definitely in that list. Um. Now you're looking at for that eighth guy. I mean, are you going to go with – I mean, we already said Jalen Smith, right?
1: Yeah, we already said Jalen okay. Smith. So, so you're, then, re, you're remaining – candidates probably at the top are Buddy Heald, TJ McConnell, Aaron Neesmith, Terry Taylor, um, Andrew Nimhard, Kendall. Kendall Brown is technically on a two-way, so we're not sure exactly if he would count for this. I think he wouldn't be involved, but um I don't think he would get drafted in an expansion draft, probably. No.
2: We're not we're not protecting him. I mean it comes down to you already made an investment in Andrew Nimhard by giving him the you know a record guarantee for a second round pick at a college. So you wonder if the Patriots have more faith in maybe Nemhard in the future than a guy like TJ McConnell, who, you know, is eight years older. So mm-hmm. do you, do you lean Nemhard or are at that point, are you really, are you leaning McConnell? I, I mean, or Buddy, I mean, here's the thing. It's like <laughs> Buddy's obviously the best player right now, yeah. I think out of those three. But if you're talking about long-term in the future, like, I mean, I don't see him getting a second contract with the Pacers.
1: No, I mean, and you'd get that money off the books for the previous yeah. for the next year too, which I think the Pacers might be in, in enticed to get rid of him. I think Daniel Tice definitely is up for grabs if anybody oh, wants yeah. him. You know, somebody you didn't bring up when you're talking about this was Aaron Neesmith. Um I don't I don't know why, but I kind of believe in his game. I,
2: I think I, you believe in him much more than I do. Yeah.
1: I, I'm torn between Neesmith and Taylor here for my last one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm biased. I love Terry Taylor. I feel like his hustle, he just out-hustles players, and his rebounding skill I know is something that you can count on. Neesmith, we're saying he was a really good three-point shooter in college. Yeah, that was a few years ago. I mean, I hope he gets that touchback. I I know it's just summer league. I'm low on him because of how how bad he performed as a year three guy. In summer league, year three! I mean, you're not even supposed to be on the court at that point. So – I really hope that he can get that shooting touch back and carve out a role because he's only 22. He's only 22. We're real thin yeah. at the wings, so it, it's a real tough debate there.
1: I'm going to go Neesmith uh, okay. for my final position here. I, the reason I I don't say Terry Taylor is because I think he's most utilized as a power forward center that's undersized. I don't necessarily think he'd be one that would be super attractive in a in a pickup. Um, Nimhard is interesting, but. Not a great shooter fudge. I don't really yeah. know what his fit is perfectly with tyler Halliburton. I don't. And McConnell, at the same time, like, if you could get rid of that money to a certain degree, like, it wouldn't yeah. hurt you. Um, I understand what he means to the franchise in terms of, like, important leadership. But, man, I, that's tough. I'm, I'm going to go Neesmith here.
2: Uh, I'll be different. I'll say Terry Taylor. Uh, I okay. just feel we're going to get a guy that's going to
1: hustle. <laughs> you it. don't want to hear from Cam. That's what you're worried about. Hey, hey,
2: Terry Taylor, look, if Neesmith wants to come on the show, maybe you'll get the nod. All right? Other than that, I'm rolling with my boy, T.T.
1: Okay, so um, I guess I'll let you answer. Um, do you have anything else to add to that or no?
2: Uh, oh, in terms of the rebounding. Uh, the rebounding, I think it's got to be a collective effort. I really think it, it does. I think Turner's going to step up rebounding, but also it's like, why shouldn't he, when we're losing 12 to 13 rebounds from, you know, Sabonis, So someone's got to pick up those rebounds. But then we also talked about some of the goals that we had for players was, Isaiah Jackson you know, improving as a rebounder or Buddy Heal grabbing a few more rebounds than he did previously. I mean, the, Jalen Smith's got to pull down a couple more boards than last year. It's just like, you know, one more rebound per game. So overall, it's got to be a collective effort because we've talked about it before on this show. A lot of rebounding is your effort. It's boxing out. It's making sure that you get in front of your man. And sometimes I think the Pacers just kind of let some freebies go by. And this year they really got to be contesting each and every shot, blocking out, and I, I think the effort will will uh, will scoop up a couple more rebounds.
1: Let's move on. True underscore love from Instagram said, "With the addition of Donovan Mitchell, is the Central Division the toughest in the East? Also, do you think the Pacers make the playoffs for the plan?"
2: Now, initially I went, "Oh my God, yes!" the Central stacked. I mean, the Bucks could win it all. Cavs look locked and loaded for years to come. The Bulls have a lot of talent. They could even miss the playoffs. But then yeah. you got the Pistons and us, which kind of waters it down a little bit. Pistons, made, you know, the up-and-coming team, but they're not there yet. Look at the Atlantic right yeah, now. That's
1: the toughest by far.
2: I agree. The Celtics, the Sixers, the Nets, and the Raptors all made the playoffs. Then you also got the Knicks that should be better than last year. So you're talking about four out of five of those teams were playoff teams. The Nets should be better this year. Ben Simmons didn't even play for him. Kyrie missed basically half the season. The Knicks should be better. You and I just went through our predictions. We have the Celtics as, you know, arguably the one seed, but I also think the Sixers are going to be better. So man, that Atlantic is scary. Yeah, then it's next, the Atlantic. <laughs> I, I really, I really think so. Then next, you know, do you think the Pacers will make the playoffs or play in? No, I don't. And I, and I'm each time I'm asked this question, I feel guilty just, you know. Ripping us to shreds. But look at our offseason. We brought back Jalen Smith, which I loved, And then we added Tyson Neesmith and, and, and some rookies. I mean, come on. Like, I like the rookies. But let's be honest. Nembhard and Kendall Brown, we don't even know how much they're going to play. So I love Matherin. But, like, Matherin can't be enough to will us to a playoff, you know, series or a playing game. Even if Halliburton
1: has an all-star level year, this team is not a playoff team. No. There's – too much talent in the Eastern Conference. I mean, so you much. talked about it. Donovan Mitchell going to the Cavs, and look how stacked they are. Some people are even saying that they're a six seed with Donovan Mitchell being added how to crazy that crazy is that? That's what I'm saying. It's, that's how deep and stacked this Eastern Conference is. Now, a lot of people have said they're probably in the top four, but they're in that four to six range, and that, that feels right. So It does feel right. It, it's just frustrating because – you know, you don't like rooting for a team to lose games and whatever. So don't root for losses, root for development and a better draft pick. Don't root for a loss, but that's the best way to do it. So uh, let's move on, Pachi, next question.
2: All right. So for the next question, we have Hoka bombus Gringo said, well, that's, a, that's a mouthful right there. That's said, a
1: Reddit name for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What are some stats slash predictions for the roster next season?
1: This is a tough one. I'm not really sure what they're wanting in terms of stats. I don't exactly. know if you have any.
2: Such an open-ended, like, I mean, you could throw out 100 predictions or stats. Here's a couple that I got. Got me. And Nick Mather makes the all-, rookie first team. all right? That's what that's what I'm making. I don't, I don't think it's a hot take. That's what my prediction is. Oh,
1: that's for the prediction for the roster next season. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Halliburton, I think, could be a 20-10 and 10 guy. So, stat-wise, right over there. I think he'd be top three in the league in assists. I think he could be pushing 11 assists if everything goes right. I think if healthy, Miles Turner has a career year. I think he could average fifteen and eight. You know, maybe at least two and a half blocks. So he, he has something block wise. He's done that countless times. That the rebounds will be career high. A couple more points in the scoring. I think Duarte shows that he's for real and improves upon last year. Um, then some other predictions for the for the roster. I think Buddy and or Turner gets traded. I think the Pacers can't afford to let Miles walk in free agency. Um, so if they're going to keep him, they better re-sign him. So. Those are some of the predictions I got. Stat and for the roster.
1: Yeah, that's that's some good stuff. I will say the Pacers finish as a top ten team in offense next year. I can see that. Um, and I think and a bottom defensively defensive
2: team <laughs> yeah.
1: they will be bottom three. <laughs> yeah. Um that's my prediction for that. But I know they want to improve on that, so maybe I'm wrong, but I just I just don't see it with this team right now defensively. Um I think Turner, like I talked about this before, I think he's gonna be a double double guy. Fachi about losses britches when I said that the first time. But I believe in Miles Turner becoming a double double guy in a contract year, ready to prove everybody, hey, I can be more of a rebounder now. Um it's put up or shut up, right? For for Turner at this point in his career and with the Pacers and everything like that. So that's kind of my stats. I'm not gonna get too much into the defensive ratings and all that kind of stuff. No, but, no. Uh predictions, I guess you could say. Obviously, one bot you didn't bring up, Daniel Tice will not be on the roster by the end of the season. Yes. I um uh, I think there's a good chance that Goga gets traded by the end of the year as well. Um we'll we'll see what happens. He did return to action he did after the scuffle or what we call the altercation in the locker room with Turkey for uh the Euro basket and he actually had 21 points in that return Fachi. So um he's playing pretty decent for, for Georgia but at the same time you just have to wonder is he an NBA player uh, on a night-to-night basis, not sure, but I think he's a guy that could be on the move as well. Uh, considering he's an expiring contract,
2: very well could. I mean, I cannot look you in the eyes and say that Gova is here long term; just can't yeah. do it. I would be lying. Yeah. So, uh, next question we have. Oh, oh no, it's actually you, reading Yeah, it.
1: the man with some good uh, with some goals. I thought it said goods there for a second. Uh, excuse <laughs> me, but the man with some goals. He said, "What inspires us to be fans of a team with the likelihood of never making us happy in our lifetime?"
2: I mean, that is a bold statement saying never making us happy. I mean, it depends what your criteria for happiness is. What about the Reggie game winners? Jermaine dropping 55, runs to the conference finals in back-to-back years, trading for one of the most talented young point guards in the league, in Tyrese Halliburton. All of that stuff has made me so happy over the years as a fan. And this year, it's going to be all about youth development, so I could find happiness in that. We finally tore it down. We're going with the youth movement, stockpiling draft picks, saving cap space. It's raising the ceiling of this team. And I think that, to what I mentioned a couple, uh, a couple questions earlier, we're accumulating the assets to pull off a potentially big trade. Is it going to happen this year? Can't say that it will. Could it happen next year? Very well could. What if we move up in the draft and get and get a player with. You know, the the talent level that we have not seen in quite some time. So I find happiness in where we're going, not not next year, but for years to come.
1: Well, I would just say this. The whole championship or bust type of thing is the most dramatic statement in, you know, sports fandom history. I think what you're rooting for is your team to have great success, for you to have great memories of that team. And there's always a sliver of hope that they can eventually pull it off. Like we're very close. We made the finals at one point, uh, very close in the Eastern conference finals multiple times. And so I'm just saying, you never know when it's going to be your chance. This is Indiana. The reason we love this team so much for the majority of us is because we're brought up and raised here. This is a team we grew up watching. So we've kind of just become invested in them and we're kind of prideful. This is our state. We're going to represent our state and hope they win. And you know, I'll never forget when the Colts won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. I was actually recovering from a heart surgery in 8th grade. I was 14 years old. I was at the hospital watching that first game against the Ravens. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget watching the championship, the Super Bowl, um at my at my basketball coach's house in this loft upstairs and there was a bunch of families there hanging out watching. I mean, those are what you live for. It's like we knew that Peyton was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest, right? Um but it just felt like there were so many obstacles he had to overcome when he finally did it. And that's what makes it so exciting to watch these teams. Like Reggie never got the championship that we wanted him to get, but he was so close so many times and those moments and those memories will never leave us. So that's why I'm a fan. And if, you know, <laughs> sorry for getting deep on this, but if you just don't like the, the a team because they don't win everything or all the time, then, you know, that's tough because there's, Multiple
2: teams that haven't won a championship ever or haven't won in a very long time. It, there's only a handful of teams that can truly win it all each year. Only a few. But also, I mean, I just remember, you know, game six when Lance Stevenson went off against the Knicks and, and the Pacers moved on to the conference finals. And I remember just watching with a bunch of fans, they were a bunch of Knicks fans, and there was this one sour Knicks fan turned to me and said, Why do you even care so much about this team? They don't even know who you are. And I I thought to myself, I was like, man, it's not about them knowing exactly who I am. It's about the feeling that I get watching them and the wins. and, And I hate how things feel when we lose in a heartbreaking fashion, but it's always about chasing that big win, that next shot. And years later, I mean, Alex, think about the players that have came on our show and given us their time. And when they give back like that, I feel even more connected to the team because I know that what I've given them, I've gotten back in return. And that feeling right there, it's not about, oh, they need to win that next game. Otherwise, I'm done. It's knowing that it's just like, man, I'm going to support this team no matter what. And when our time does come, oh, my God, I'm going to be ready. And I cannot wait for whenever that day is. (laughs)
1: I, when our time comes, you're going to be ready, but I don't think the world's going to be
2: ready for Fauci. I don't know if they are. <laughs> uh, well, let's move I'm on to our,
1: our next question
2: from Come On Sonny. So Come On Sonny said, how good would Tyrese have to be to win most improved player? He averaged 15-8 and last season. Is 20-10 and enough? Also, what would Turner have to show on the court this season for the Pacers to give him a big contract?
1: So the first question I will say, I don't think it is enough Fachi. I think with the losing record that we're probably going to have 20 and 10 will be looked at. And I think it will be considered and he might be a finalist for most improved player, but I think he's going to have to have incredible shooting numbers as well. I'm not saying, I mean, I wanted him to reach the 50, 40, 90 club for our goals, but um, I I just don't know if that's going to be completely obtainable. I, I think it's possible, Foch, but if he's 50, 40, 90 and 20 and 10, that'll definitely get him in the most improved conversation. If he, if it doesn't get him the, the actual award. So I would say that he's going to have to have incredible efficient number uh, efficiency numbers um in that regard. And I'll say this for Turner, I think the big thing for him is he's going to have to be a double double guy. He's going to have to prove that he can be a rebounder. Um I think he's also going to have to improve on his three point shot, Fachi, um because we've seen that's kind of it's kind of dipped the last couple of years his efficiency and his percentage from 3 and then lastly he's going to prove that he's going to have to prove that he can stay healthy for 82 games. Um, not all 82, obviously, but if he misses, you know, close to 15 to 25 games with uh, another foot injury, then that's just going to like the Pacers are not going to invest in somebody that's got those problems. So if he can prove that he's changed his body uh, enough to stay healthy, then that's what you're hoping for. But it feels like he's going to have more of a chance to get injured with a bigger role, more playing time, being a little bit more physical down low, I feel like there's more of a chance for him to get an injury now than potentially last year when he really wasn't as aggressive on the offensive end. And defensively, he's not really going to change his role much, but offensively, he's going to have more chances at you know rolled ankles and that kind of thing because he's going to be more involved, I think, in the pick and roll.
2: Sheesh, man, I hope not, but, you know, I hope he's I'm just saying, involved, I'm not going to be
1: pessimistic. Please. I
2: know, no, I, I hear you, man. Uh, it's just, as it relates to Hal Burton, the poor record is going to hurt his chances. Look, I looked at it, Brandon Ingram in 2019-2020 won most improved player of the year when the Pelicans were not a good team. I don't remember how many wins they were, but they were not a playoff team, but he was an all-star that year. He averaged just under 24 points per game. I mean, this was a guy that, that played really well on, on a poor team. That's not Hal Burton's game. He's not going to go out there and average twenty five points per game. He's a pass first guy. I think yeah. if if we're going to say what does he got to do, maybe it's got to be like twenty one and eleven on really good shooting splits, just like you mentioned. If he is an all star, I think that should be good enough. But the wins are going to factor in there. I, I think that Hal Burton probably finishes top three in that award next year. But it's going to take him, you know, averaging 21 and 11, maybe 50% shooting, 40%, you know, 50, 40, 90 and, and, a, and a respectable record. And I just don't know if the record part's going to be there. But um, yeah. right now, then, as it relates to Turner, I think in order for him to get a, a big contract or a contract extension from the Pacers, he's got to play roughly 70 games. I looked, I did the math. That's 85% of his games. It's something that he has not done over the last three years, something that he's actually only done one time. In his career Ooh. so at this point <laughs> I, I think Turner like I mentioned it being the lone center he should be set up for the best year yet however last couple of years he's played you know just over 40 games that's not enough for a team to be able to confidently commit a lot of money and what team knows the pace uh what team knows Turner better than the Pacers no one so yeah. at that point I, I feel like Ah oh, man, I would love to see Turner putting up that that season I discussed before 15 and 8, maybe a double double, shooting close to 50% from the field, can he approach close to 40% from 3 instead of being around 33% each of the last 2 years. So Turner's now a sub 35% three point shooter for his career. Uh, but he's known as a three point shooter, which is just kind of like it's not where you want to be. So if Turner can enter free agency averaging a double double shoot close to 40% from three and play 70, 70 games. That man's going to get paid. But if, if he can't be healthy, I, I think he's going to lose a lot of money here.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great point to bring up too. Like the Pacers have his medicals. They know exactly what's Everything. going on with him. And that could be part of the reason that they are a little bit concerned with giving him an extension, because even though there's talent there and they want to find the right deal for him, maybe they don't want to invest in him because they know his injury history. So uh, we can kind of briefly talk about it, but you know they know in depth what's going on, and I think that could be potentially why there hasn't been a lot of teams that have been willing to offer what the Pacers are wanting back in return because they're a little bit scared off by the medicals, but. Um, that's just me kind of spitballing and guessing. I've heard rumblings about that, but I don't want to like commit to it completely because I don't know if it's like a, a thousand percent true, but I, I think it makes some sense, foji So um, while we were podcasting, we did get a few late questions. We'll answer these rapid fire. I'll just ask you these real quick. Um, pacer Faithful, uh, Chuck and Jamie, they ask, if you could pick any Pacer to have dinner with, who would it be and why?
2: I mean, Jermaine O'Neal is just my childhood hero. It's tough to say. It's well, tough to well, not I think we might Reg- be
1: talking current Pacer, but I don't know. Okay. We can do current but, and former. We'll do both.
2: Okay. All right. Former, I, I got to go Jermaine because that's always going to be my hero, even though, like, I, I have not met Reggie Miller or I've not been able to chat with Reggie Miller, and I've done that with Jermaine. But if you're talking about a, a current Pacer, um, I'd have to say Tyrese Albert, just since we had him on. I feel like since we got that out of the way, you know, maybe we would be able to then be like, really kicking it instead of feeling like he's being interviewed or anything. So yeah. I, that's what I would go with.
1: Yeah, for me, I would pre- – I mean, Reggie is obviously, like, a great answer because, like, face of the franchise, you know. Mm-hmm. would love to get to meet him and talk with him. Um, and I would obviously say for this current team, you you took Halliburton, so I'll pick somebody else. I'll say Matherin. Uh, just cool. to get to know him better. Uh, yeah, I, I be think cool. he's a really interesting person, and he's funny as I'll get at whenever we've heard him talk, and he's super confident. So I would love that. But if uh, there was a little bit of a wild card here, Faji,
2: I think that I would actually enjoy hanging out with Roy Hibbert. Hibbert would be cool. Hibbert would be cool. I'd probably have to say Danny Granger because there's so many oh, questions. I'd have to ask him because it's just like, where is this man? I mean, <laughs> where is he? No one has disappeared Quite like Danny Granger, it makes me upset. Like I, I just hope he's all right because there has been no sighting from him. Like yeah. he, he doesn't. And then even like what I love, real quick, people came to his defense because you remember that tweet that came out like a month ago that it was like uh, this was like NBA the most, thing. yeah, it was like one of the most random players or play with or one of the one of the guys that's not good or something like that. And everybody was like, what? Danny Granger was unbelievable. This is a former All-Star. This guy put up over 25 points per game one year. Like, everybody came to the rescue. And I love that because it was just like, he's he's one of those guys, I don't want to say forgotten, but he slept on. And, man, he shouldered the load during a rough stretch of pacer basketball.
1: Yeah, I think – yeah, no, that's, that's definitely interesting. And I think another guy that would be interesting to talk to would be Paul George. I know um... – he was the face of the franchise. We talked about him a little bit on the pod, but just kind of like get to know him, like see what he's like outside of uh, like the hatred towards the Pacers. See if there's anything good he has to say, but uh, let's answer these last two quickly. Uh, Jason wants to know, this is uh, a very quick answer. Focci. If miles was an injured with the trade deadline, would he have trade, uh, would we have traded him instead of Sabonis or would we have traded
2: both? I, we might've traded both. I, yeah, I honestly I think, think. It, I think it was a fire sale. And I, I think that, you know, due to the injury, I, I think that, the offers for Turner were probably way too low to even consider at that point.
1: Yeah, I don't think they would have not traded Sabonis because it got Halliburton out of it, and he makes way more sense for the future of the team. So I still think they trade Sabonis, but I do think, because that deal like was took it to pass up, but I think with Turner they probably would have shopped him much more aggressively. Uh, last question here, another faithful listener of the show, Chris Weech, he said, so all these teams are releasing their statement jerseys and their throwbacks. When do you think the Pacers will do the same? Itching to get a couple of new jerseys featuring
2: Halliburton and Ben Matherin. It's a good point. I, I do think the Pacers need to do something because it's like, yeah, you got to spice it up a little bit. Like we're entering an, a new era right now. So I think it would be important to get something cool out there. Just like positive vibes. Like I know, I mean, honestly, it feels like ever since the Jalen Smith press conference, we haven't really heard from anyone in the team or anything like that. So I think we could use some, some good, good vibes and maybe some some new jerseys could create that. What what retro jersey would you like to see them bring back? I mean the, I'm always a huge, huge fan of the pinstripes. I mean just, what just always uh I mean that I mean the navy one's fresh. You know Navy uh said the
1: original gold.
2: Yeah I mean that, that that one's great. I have the Jermaine O'Neal jersey and the gold and, and blue pinstripes and I love that one. It's from like probably around 2003, 2004 season. So I mean I I love that jersey.
1: Yeah, I think I would be interested in the gold pin stripes just because I know it would make Tyrese happy. <laughs> so it's like you're trying to make this guy happy for the rest of his life here. <laughs> so, give him the just, jersey
2: he wants, you know. Give him the jersey. Come on.
1: Like, exactly. Uh, okay, Fachi. So that is all of our questions. That is the mailbag for September. So thank you everybody for your questions. We will do this once again in October. So that is
2: always a fun time. But Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You could find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You could find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Oh my gosh. So much
1: energy, bro. I oh, brother.
2: yeah.
1: Pachi's <laughs> hungry. Um, anyway, no, you can find us on I, YouTube uh, <laughs> <laughs> at slash Setting the Pace. A pacers podcast go to google type in setting the pace we've got the uh, interview that did with michael scotto up over there uh, other interviews with players that you might have missed throughout the uh throughout the off season so just check it out make sure you subscribe and and we will be fun with that but focci if you're excited for the indiana pacers to return for training camp in about three weeks then say these three words let's go pacers
0: Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.